Hello and welcome to the Allplane podcast, where we talk about commercial aviation in the company of professionals and, very importantly, with entrepreneurs and innovators that are working day and night to redefine the future of this industry. But first of all, let me reiterate my invitation to visit our website, allplane.tv, that is A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E dot TV. There you will find more episodes of this podcast and, of course, lots of other content about commercial aviation, airlines, airports and aerospace in general. In today's episode, we travel, well, virtually, of course, to Europe's aerospace capital, Toulouse, in the south of France, because it is there that Alexandre Ferré, our guest today, started Open Airlines and made it grow to what it is today, a company, a software company servicing some 44 airlines all over the world. And what does Open Airlines do? Well, it helps airlines reduce their fuel consumption by flying better. Alexandra's company has developed some smart software that analyzes flight patterns and comes up with recommendations for pilots to fly more efficiently. The result is that less fuel is being burned, which is good for the environment, and it is good for the airline's bottom line, of course. So I asked Alexander to explain in more detail how this technology works, and I also asked him to share his views on how can we lower the aviation industry carbon footprint, not by aiming at moonshots, but by squeezing more efficiency improvements using existing technologies. If you wish to learn more about this topic, tune in for today's episode of the podcast. Hello, bonjour, Alexandre. How are you? Hola, I'm good. Thank you. Alexandre um, Ferre, you pronounce it Ferre? Yeah. Ferre, Ferre. who is the, Ferre. Fa- is the founder of Open Airlines. It's a startup company. I don't know if it's, can we say startup because you've been growing like crazy the last few years, but a, a young company based in Toulouse in France, big hub of uh, European aviation industry. And what Open Airlines does is basically you have developed software that helps airlines make a more efficient use of fuel. So basically to, to spend less fuel, to use fuel in a more in a smarter way. Can you tell us uh, about yourself and your company? Because you were the, the founder of this company just a few years ago. Yes. Uh, thank, thank you, Mikel. I think you summarized it uh, Correctly, indeed, you know, today's um, biggest challenge for aviation is obviously COVID. But uh, just after that, it's going to be global warming and the fight against global warming. And we're contributing to that with technology, as you said, with digital technology. I have a a background in IT and a background in airline because I, I was working at Air France in the IT department for flight operations. I'm also very much uh, fond of uh, nature on mountains, and, uh, and I could witness with my own eyes that you know every year when you go to the mountains in the summer or in the winter, glaciers are disappearing. It made me sad, and I knew also that you know airplanes use a lot of fuel, that an airline uses a lot of fuel. Actually, fuel is the number one cost at the airline; it represents thirty percent of their cost. Yeah, I, um, sorry if I, I can stop you here one second. Um, Obviously, if we look at the, at the macro picture, the global warming and carbon is, is a big issue right now. But also, even if we, do, we don't take this into account, fuel is a huge cost. It's between one quarter and one third of the airline expenses. 
So anything that can help reduce this bill a little bit, it, it's certainly interesting. Exactly. You know, there are industries where ecology and economy don't go the same way. Uh, the island industry is, is an industry where ecology and economy goes the same way. As you said, you know, it's between 20 to 30% of the cost, depending on the kind of airlines. On the low-cost airlines that have reduced all the other costs, it can be even more than 30%. So it's very important. It's also an industry that usually does, uh, has very low margins. So if you can reduce your number one cost by, uh, let's say, 3%, you increase your margin by one point, which is already very significant. So there's lots of incentive in addition to CO2 reduction just to re reduce fuel on cash, freeze of cash. So uh, basically what your company does is you have developed a software that tells the pilots how to fly more efficiently, how to optimize the approaches, the flight path, the way that the pilot manages the aircraft basically so that he can reduce fuel consumption with exactly the same plane. It's not a hardware or any anything that needs to be modified on the aircraft, but just making better use of the existing resources. Exactly, yes. And, and, and you, you stress this point and it's very important because there are lots of ways to reduce fuel consumption, but a lot of them you know, require uh, new aircraft or changes in the aircraft, which are costly. And as you said, we don't require any change of the aircraft. What we exploit is the data of the aircraft. And you know that all the aircraft have black boxes. And actually, they are not only used for um, investigations, but they can be used for proactive you know, safety analysis. And we use that also for uh, fuel efficiency. So we take this data with other sources of data, such as weather, air traffic control information. And by processing it, we look at ways in um, the things in the aircraft preparation, in the flight preparation, or in the flight execution that could be better. We look for fuel-saving best practices. So as you said, we work a lot with the pilots because at the end it's you know, the pilots that fly the aircraft and can make it you know, fly more efficiently or less efficiently. So we work a lot with pilots giving them feedbacks, but not just them because fuel is a, you know, a company-wide effort. There are best practices in maintenance, in what we call dispatch, which is choosing the best routes. It's people on the ground that do that, called dispatchers. So we, people on the ground also, or marketing even can have an impact on fuel efficiency. So we, we try to have a 360 degree view on everything fuel in an airline. But it's true that you know we have especially worked with pilots and give them a lot of feedback through a mobile app so that they can, you know, improve their flying technique and be even more fuel efficient. Yes, actually, I had a chance to do a, a podcast recently about aviation fuel with uh, two professionals from IATA and from uh, a Russian fuel supplier, a large, large fuel company. And one of the main things was that there's still lots of inefficiencies in this whole fueling process. So a lot now being optimized through software and digital, uh, digital tools. One question I had for you here is, you gather all this data, but how does it work in practice? So because I've been checking your website and it seems you are selling this as a sort of a software as a service. What's the actual practical implementation of this? How you do it? Yeah. Yes, you're right. We, we set it as a software as a service. Basically, when we um, sign a contract with an airline, we do some uh, implementation work to um, 
build the data feeds between, for example, the airline flight planning system, the airline um, QR quick access recorders, like the little sisters of the black boxes, to feed all the data to our systems, which are on the cloud, in a secure cloud. And then the airline will um, use it directly from their PC or pilots can use it from their iPad or, or smartphone. Every, every day we'll get new data from the airline on our machines in the cloud. We'll run the algorithms, look for you know, things that can be improved, and we give them recommendations or KPIs about where they can make progress, track their progress, and recommendations. So it's based on a subscription model where basically, you know, they hand the data over to us and then we can you know, freely use all the recommendations on the, on the app to, uh, to make better decisions. So this data is gathered by the airline through its own internal processes, but is not fed into the system by some sort of physical connection to the aircraft systems. So it comes from the airline headquarters, to, to, to put it another way, not from the actual aircraft that is using this system. Yes, um, uh, most of the time it comes from the airline headquarters, as you said. In some cases, some aircraft can be equipped with um, uh, Wi-Fi, wireless communication, Wi-Fi and 4G, and they can dump the content of uh, the quick access recorders directly to our servers, but it doesn't require any specific installation uh, uh, in the aircraft, no, no hardware, as you mentioned. So we are existing, we are using existing, you know, data pipes or data feed, except we had another connection to our server. So that's why it's not so, so complex to implement, you know, because it's using things that are already existing, except they have been used for safety and we are using them for a different usage, which is, you know, flight efficiency. Uh, the data flow is two ways because you get you get the data from the airline, you process it, but then you need to uh, provide actionable recommendations for a whole set of pilots and aircraft, right? Because it, it's very, from what I read in your website and, and from what I uh, know of your product, provides recommendations on a very detailed way. For example, each flight path might get its own set of recommendations so that the pilots can adjust their behavior or the, the way they handle the aircraft at each given moment during the flight. You're right. So you, you use the right word, you know, actionable recommendations, uh, because indeed, if you know, software gathers data and just displays the data, it's not doing, going to do any good. So we provide actionable recommendations, you know, things the airline can change in the way they choose their routes, for example, in the way they prepare the aircraft, for example, by washing the engines with high pressure washing machines at a better frequency and more importantly you know recommendations for pilot so they have a mobile app that we call my fuel coach and it really acts as a you know a coach that gives them you know insights on how to be more um, efficient in terms of flying green and they have a, a briefing with information when they fly a new route they will have information on this route you know what are the preferred path, uh, what kind of fuel-saving best practices they can expect to be able to do on this route, what others people have managed to do, and uh, so that they can you know, prepare their flight with fuel efficiency in their mind. And at the end of the flight, they also have a, a debrief, just like I don't know if you use um, you know, 
apps like Strava or when you jog, you know, you have debrief on how well you jogged or how well you cycled, where you did good. So it gives you a debrief that tells you, you know, what you did that was good, encouraging you, you know, rewarding you for how many kilograms of fuel you saved on where also you could have done better conditions permitting because we remain very humble you know but uh, where we think you could have done better the pilot can uh, see his flight in 3d with fuel added information so it's very interesting for him or her and then it gives them a lot of insight on how they could uh, you know become more fuel efficient pilots this benchmark that you are measuring with is it for each specific airline or you pull data from all your different airlines and then you have a sort of a, an industry benchmark that the pilots can measure against so we we pay very attention to you know the property of data and data confidentiality we consider the data is the airlines so by default we don't share data with you know with anybody else but for airlines that are willing to participate in a inter-airlines benchmark i would say uh, and a lot are very interested then they can compare their performance for benchmarks uh, for example they can see whether um, they manage to perform a, a lot of cda which are you know continuous distance approach fast safe fuel at a given airport compared to another airline and this allows them to know whether you know constraints comes from the airport or from the controller or it's more their culture that they need to to improve so it can be very interesting for them but it's only on a voluntary basis because by default data is theirs we don't share it with anybody okay yes you you touch uh what was going to be actually one of my next questions is there's all this uh, traffic control aspect here how much scope is there for specific pilot to optimize inside the limitations imposed by air traffic control you're right you know the, the term control means that you are under a control environment when you fly which means you have constraints and obviously you know it's good for safety you cannot just do whatever you want um so it's true that it, it imposes some constraints on what pilots can do and what cannot do, but still there is, you know, a little bit of freedom or uh, possibility to negotiate things with the air traffic control. And that's where there is an opportunity for improvement. Also, the airlines use the tool to engage discussions with uh, air traffic control. We have seen cases in Iceland or in Dubai where the airlines could come uh, with the data from Skybrave showing to the air traffic controllers that the path they were giving were not as efficient as they could be. Uh, they could give numbers on the you know, numbers of kilograms it's, it costs, CO2, and these are things that controllers were not you know, fully aware of. And then they could find a path to improve the approaches. So it benefited these airlines. It benefited all the other airlines that fly to the same airports and obviously to, you know, to the planet also. Mm -hmm. Because obviously there's a lot of attention being placed now on the new propulsion technologies, and actually we had here in this podcast uh, recently quite of the quite a few of the of the pioneers that are now working on these type of projects. But actually there might be still quite a lot of uh, well, quite a lot of maybe some scope to optimize based on things like the flight corridors, stuff like that. I'm not an expert in this specific segment of the of the industry. 
industry, but in your opinion, how much can this optimization contribute to this, uh, you know, carbon reduction? Yes, actually, it is estimated that, you know, uh, fuel saving best practices in the hands of the airline, you know, better maintenance, uh, green operating procedures, all together can contribute, you know, up to 10%, maybe in terms of reduction of fuel consumption, which is significant because it's almost like a new generation of aircraft. And on the air traffic management side, the same numbers is um, is usually used, uh, around 10%. And there was a publication very recently by your control, and it's their own number that says, yes, they could have an improvement about you know, 8 to 12%, I, if I remember correctly, by improving the routes by... Um, you know, improved corridors or, or giving better clearance. So combined together, you know, it's 20%. So it's, it's very significant. And this can be done with, um, you know, probably less investments than, you know, the hydrogen aircraft or electrical aircraft that we probably need to, you know, become carbon neutral. But in the shorter time, I think we can reach this 10 plus 10 percent of fuel saving. And this is because of technology constraints? Is it because of uh, government constraints? I think there's also space reserved to military activities as well and stuff like that. Uh, so what, what are the obstacles? Yeah, it's true there are you know, many obstacles. Uh, some are, you know, for example, due to military airspace, but a lot of obstacles come from, I would say, outdated technology or outdated processes. Uh, first of all, the airspace is very fragmented, even in Europe, where we start to have a better cooperation. You know, the Spanish airspace is optimized this way, the French airspace is optimized another way, the German airspace. So if you fly from Madrid to, to Berlin, then you have basically inefficiencies at, at every border. The other thing is the technology that is used for air traffic control is, is very, very old, actually, dates from, you know, post-war technologies with beacons on the ground that, you know, give radio information. But today, you know, we are using GPS and we have other ways to localize the aircraft. The thing is, you know, we need to upgrade all the aircraft. We need to remain compatible with the old ones. And the other thing is, I think that's one of the issues with aviation. It's, it's safety first. You know, the motto everywhere you will go in an airline is safety first, which is very, very good. And it's the safest means of transportation. But um, one problem with that is that uh, innovation is, is much slower because, you know, what is known... What has been working for years is safe. So the pace of introducing innovation is sometimes constrained by this. And uh, yeah, so you know, like the computing power in an aircraft, you know, you could think uh, the computer in the aircraft flies the aircraft by itself, but actually it has a very, very old processor, very little memory. Uh, that's why, you know, Tools like ours on a, on a laptop can offer much better optimization. Tell me about Open Airlines. So you started this company in Toulouse. That was when, like five years ago, something like that? Um, actually, it was you know, a little more than 10 years ago. Okay. Um, yes, I, I created the company in Toulouse um, to help the airline optimize their operations with uh, digital technologies. Uh -huh. Very quickly, we focused on um, fuel efficiency on environment because we thought, as you said, you know, economically, it made a lot of sense because fuel is number one cost at the airline. And we thought also, and it was 10 years ago, that there would be expectation from the society to be more carbon neutral. 
so the two combined you know would would um would create an interesting business case for us and uh, I had the sense also what with new technology and with things that you know we now call big data we didn't call it like that or AI we could deliver deliver solutions so that was the the original ideas and uh, it it started our technology started with a European research project uh, called Clean Sky about 10 years ago where we worked with um, labs with ENAC for, you know national aeronautics schools in, in Toulouse uh, with airlines and with pilots and that's where we could uh, get our hands on the data and uh, run our algorithms and give them results that you know were promising and based on that we continued investing it was a lot of work because you know it took um, almost four years from the start of the R&D on having a first um, a product on the marketplace but uh, you know we we kept working on that and i think we were right because uh, since then we have uh, met the you know market success mm-hmm. are you privately funded have you received venture capital yes we were you know we were very underfunded private privately funded basically you know i started the company by myself with only 20000 euros so and you know for for a few years we struggled with that you know selling services to get some money and uh, we also had some subsidies with uh, European research projects and after some times when we started getting traction from the from market we went to see uh, venture capitalists and we raised um, we raised capital investment in uh, 2015 first 1 million euro with a, a very interesting investment fund which is called Alter Equity it's based in Paris but it's one of the uh, pioneers in France and in Europe probably of what we call impact investing we invest only in companies that have a positive impact on the planet or people so we were very interested in in that aspect so we invested 1 million euro in 2015 and we had another round in 2018 with them, them and the French public bank of investment of another 1 million euros to you know accelerate and develop new products in 2018 and you now have according to your website you have 40 plus airline 44 airlines something like that uh, using your your software exactly we have uh, 44 airlines now using the software some of some of them are being implemented i think 40 are using the software and about four are being implemented today so it, it's a good number we're mm-hmm. quite proud of that and also what's interesting is that we have airlines of all kind of business models we have you know, flag carriers like air france we have uh, low cost carriers like volotea in spain and um, you know freight carriers or regional airlines and we also have airlines all over the world Mm-hmm. USA, Argentina, Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Africa, Middle East, Asia. So that's very interesting, you know, to see that it's it's kind of universal. Well, they all have the same problem huh, with the fuel. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know, for all these airlines, you know, it's it's still the number one cost or almost always the number one cost. Mm-hmm. How many people working now at Open Airlines? Uh we are f- 38 people. Now most of them are in Toulouse but we also have two subsidiaries one in the USA and uh, one in Asia so we have you know uh, one person in America and three person in Asia mm-hmm. and your flagship product is the one called Skybreeze right you have a suite of pro- of products the core product is Skybreeze is this system to to process the fuel data and and get some um, some improvements there what about the other ones 
I think you have also some real-time analysis tools for the pilots in the cabin. What can you tell us about your suite of products? Yes, exactly. You said our, our core product, our flagship product is SkyBrave. That's where, you know, we have uh, invested a lot and developed the company. And uh, more recently, we have uh, tried to diversify our and create a suite of products or portfolio of products. So another one is what we call SkyBrave Onboard. Because SkyBrave, the flagship product, you know, processes the data after the flight. It's used before the flight for briefing, after the flight for debriefing, but um, you know, it doesn't give real-time information during the flight. Uh, so more recently, we have developed SkyBrave on board, which is a, a brother product or sister product that can use, be used during the flight. On modern aircraft, there is connectivity between the avionics and a tablet where you can get in real time the parameters from the aircraft, the position, fuel flow, etc. And we run our algorithms directly on the laptop and tablet to give um, to provide assistance to a pilot to execute fuel saving best practices. And the idea is to be very little intrusive because there's lots of workload in the cockpit. So have the parameters, have intelligence in the algorithms to tell the pilot, hey, in five minutes, there is an opportunity for you to do a given maneuver that can save fuel. It's always the pilot that decides and that does, you know, the maneuver. It doesn't, you know, pilot the aircraft itself, but it gives insight to the pilots in real time, considering conditions, weather, etc. And it requires to be connected to the aircraft system. So it's physically plugged into the aircraft or it gets it through uh, some wireless some sort of wireless link. So there are, there are different op options depending on you know, what the airline has. It can be connected to the aircraft through what we call an aircraft interface device. So we'll get the parameters from the aircraft through this interface. It can be uh, an interface where we plug the PC or laptop to this interface, or it can be a wireless communication between the PC and laptop on this interface. If the airline doesn't have this interface for older generation aircraft, it can uh, still run autonomously, for example, using the GPS position of the device. If they have connectivity, air ground connectivity, more and more they have you know, internet on board, it can uh, do additional computations or get you know, updates, weather updates, or this kind of thing. So depending on what the airline has, you know, it's a more complete or more degraded solution. But... Um, you know, even in a degraded solution, it can really give uh, useful insights to the pilot that, you know, will make the flight more efficient. You also have a couple more products, right? Apart from SkyBreeze. Uh, SkyBreeze, sorry, I must say it's, in case people search it when hearing it, is ending with an E. So Sky Breathe, like a breathe, but ending with an E. I want to put it in the show notes anyway so that people can, can check the website. So what else? You have SkyBreeze, SkyBreeze on board. You're right. We have, um, so these are the flagship products. We have also a product that is using basically the same data as SkyBreeze plus some additional data to deal with on-time performance. It's called OCC Intelligence. OCC stands for Operations Control Center. Uh, so we analyze, you know, delays and reasons for delays for operational performance. And um, we, we have been developing and putting on the market a new product called uh, SkyBrave APM for aircraft performance monitoring. What it does is that it looks at a lot of parameters from the data to see how the aircraft performance is 
evolving or degrading in time. You know, as an aircraft flies, as an engine runs, its its performance is degrading a little bit. You know, percentage by percentage, and we monitor that so that the airline can know the actual performance of their aircraft compared to you know the original performance, and adjust the flight planning, or maybe take proactive actions to uh, solve the maintenance issues. So that's that's a new product. And the last one that is under development is um, a scabry for ATM, air traffic management. Uh, we saw you know, that uh, our airlines were using the scabry data to discuss with the air traffic controllers to sometimes influence the design of the approaches. The idea is that the air service navigation providers could use it themselves to design the approaches you know, from the beginning with not only safety in mind that they already do, not only noise in mind, which they already do, but also with greenhouse gas emissions in mind, which is something they understand you know, not as well, I would say. Do you claim on your website that reductions in fuel consumption normally are between 2 and 5%? Yes, that's uh, what we claim and that's what we, we witness, you know, uh, two to 5% on the total of fuel consumption from the airline, just with a SkyBrave product. We hope that with SkyBrave on board, we can add another two to 5%. And uh, it's something we've witnessed, you know, you, um, uh, you mentioned Volotea, they have published in a presentation that indeed, um, they had an improvement of around 3% by using SkyBrave on the Airbus fleet or Norwegian in their presentation to investors last year, they, they said that they, you know, they had reached or were counting on 2%, which represented uh, 27 million euros. So, you know, we started mm -hmm. with, with uh, ecology and CO2, but you're right to mention, you know, there's uh, hard, hard euros or hard dollars behind that. Mm -hmm, indeed. And does it, have the same effect through all stages of the flight or that's particularly effective in takeoff and landing where there's some more maneuvering well you you're right actually i think we do have more effect on takeoff and landing these are the phases where there is more room for optimization and more maneuvering as you said you know you can you know decide on the um, acceleration altitude, you can decide on the final approach path, you can do a continuous descent or traditional step descent, and all these things have an influence. So I would say we focus more on that, but the cruise phase, especially on a long-haul flight, is much longer. So even though the percentage is a, a little less probably of what we can optimize in the cruise phase, for a long-haul flight, I, I think it's, um, it's still a very important phase to optimize. You can optimize, you know, quantity of fuel you bring, the routes, you know, uh, with the winds, you can uh, the altitude where you are flying. So on short haul flight, it's more takeoff, climb and descent. On long haul flight, it's, uh, it's more balanced. Actually, you answered what I had here noted down as my next question, which was actually whether short haul, long haul, uh, whether there are specific types of aircraft, uh, wide body, narrow body, you kind of yeah. answer it. <laughs> yes, I, I think all in all, you know, there are we see almost the same numbers because even though we are stronger in the you know takeoff, uh, climb, and descent phase, on on sh shorter flights you have a lot of them. On longer long haul flights, you have less of them, but you have a longer cruise. And also, you know, aircraft that uh, use little fuel like turboprops, it's still two 
two to five percent. It's two to five of a smaller number, but it's still about the same usually. Now moving back into more the macro level, how you view the race to move away from fossil fuel onto other types of propulsion? There have been a lot of talk this year. Aside from COVID, of course, the other topic is fossil fuels. Do you see this transition happening in uh, what time frame? It might happen eventually. I mean, everyone is thinking about that, but we don't know how long will it take. Yes, you're right. I think, you know, it's, um, there are two ways at, at looking at the problem, I think, you know. You can, uh, first, it's a, it's a very complex problem because, you know, uh, very it requires a lot of changes in technology to get rid of, of fossil fuel because kerosene is just a, has wonderful properties for aviation except for being fossil and uh, releasing CO2 on alternative technologies, electricity, hydrogen, etc. Um, cause a lot of challenges, you know, lots of challenges. So you could think it can take years and there are huge challenges. But if you look back at history, I think today or yesterday is uh, the anniversary of the first uh, Wright Brothers flight, you know, and it was very early in the 20th century. And um, 50 years later, we were flying jet jet engine, you know, across the Atlantic in a few hours. Uh, 10 years later, we were, you know, sending someone to the moon and uh, bringing him back. So if, if the industry is motivated by that, put a lot of effort I think there is hope for them to, you know, go even quicker. And I think that's, there is a hope with, you know, what's happening today, the pressure from the environment and also COVID, because we've seen that the governments have helped the airline industries in Europe. They have given, you know, lots of money to airlines or, or you know, to help the aeronautics industry. And uh, the condition for that is to accelerate their transition to um, carbon neutrality. So Airbus is, you know, is working very hard on the hydrogen aircraft. You know, they are aiming for commercial flights or, or first real flights in 2035. So it's still 15 years. So indeed, the range is more, you know, 15 to 25 years to really have a have a shift. But what's interesting, I think, is that we shouldn't accept one single solution. It will be a combination of solutions. You know, we help with you know digital ATC can do their share. We saw that uh, hydrogen can be a solution. Biofuels or synthetic fuels can be a solution. So, if everybody is looking at the problem with various solutions, there are ways to add this 10 percent and at the end reduce it considerably. It's a long-term quest, uh, and there's lots of risks. Well, we can start by consuming less today thanks to technology like exactly the one you are you are developing um for people that want to know more about open airlines the website openairlines.com exactly so i'm gonna add links to the show notes and yeah Yes, and, and, and we like to, you know, publish a lot of um, awareness on education, educational content mm-hmm. on the website. So I encourage people to go and check our blog and we'll see, you know, articles about our solution, but articles about, you know, biofuels or the hydrogen aircraft. So everybody who is interested in green aviation, I think we'll, uh, we'll find um, valuable content and we'd be happy to have your comments and your suggestions, of course. We'll definitely add links to this so that everyone can easily check your company, uh, the products, and also the 
all the content, all the good content you have in there. It's been a real pleasure. We'll uh, definitely keep an eye on technology improvements in this area because that's definitely something that can already be done now. Airlines can start saving fuel now. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Mikael. And I, I'd like to, you know, take this opportunity and so talk to your audience because I know there are also lots of, you know, um, aviation lovers, but also lots of pilots, private or public pilots. And just uh, yesterday we launched a, a new initiative called Green Pilot. It's a movement that everybody can join. If you are aviation lover or pilot, you can join the movement and claim that you know, you're concerned with aviation. You, you fill out a little survey saying you care about the environment and then you can become the, the green pilot. And that's a movement that has been proposed to me by Bertrand Picard, who is the greenest pilot on earth because that's the only one that managed to fly around the, the world with a, you know, not using a single drop of fuel. So actually, I, I had movement. two weeks ago, I had his co-pilot, his co-team member, uh, yes, he yeah. was here on the podcast uh, talking about his latest venture in Switzerland about ele electric flight. So, awesome. <laughs> indeed, yeah. So, so that's great. So, yeah, everybody can be a green pilot. Thank you, Mikel, for for this podcast and uh, you know giving insight to um, all what all that aviation can do and you know raise awareness and, uh, and increase the passion because you know it's an industry of passion. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mikel. Uh, and one more thing before you go. Remember, you can subscribe to the Oplane podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other platforms. If you like this podcast, please do not hesitate to give it a good rating or to recommend it to a friend. See you soon. Mm -hmm.